Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. All right, Bob, here we are, yet another pandemic, quarantine, shelter-in-place, lockdown, unless you're at the Lake of the Ozarks. <laughs> hey, everyone knows who knows anything about the Lake of the Ozarks. You never go there on Memorial Day weekend. You don't do it. And, and But apparently, the pandemic lockdown created this amnesia in everybody's mind, and they said, let's all go get together at the lake. But I think I everybody wait. is struggling with cabin fever right now, and yes. are just ready to jump on and do anything they can do. Absolutely. I mean, I, I feel it myself, just like, really? I've been outside a lot recently, just doing stuff outside and then working on a car, and that's a whole nother story to talk about. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think everybody's to the point where like, can we just be done with this? Oh, yeah. And, yeah, it really think, creates pressure for us. Yeah. It really does. I think it creates a lot of pressure and intensity. It, 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 it is so, like we've said, so pervasive that it is hitting almost every arena of everybody's life. And it's just, there's, it's very difficult to escape the impacts of everything going on right now. And that includes what's happening in your church and how you decide to reopen. If you think going to Walmart is difficult right now, <laughs> uh, try reopening a church. Good grief. When I go to Walmart, the one thing that drives me nuts right now is, I don't know about you in Missouri, but here in Florida, at least at Walmart, there's like this dystopian sounding voice coming over a microphone out in the parking lot reminding you to wash your hands and reminding you to keep social distance. But it's like in this monotone, like you're watching some dystopian movie, like voice that just sounds so depressing that by the time I even enter into Walmart, I'm just ready to, to leave. <laughs> well, a couple things. One is I avoid every Walmart, every chance I can get. I just don't go. Amazon is my friend. It sounds like the Hunger Games has got the broadcast speakers. It does. It does. Imagine if all your church members talk to you. What are some things you would you would hear right now as you as you try to figure out what is the wise and appropriate way to re-enter to open the sanctuary? It's so exciting, but is it exciting? Well, that's a great point, Jimbo. And, you know, Craig Tuck, one of our good friends, an associational leader in uh, Charleston, South Carolina, he posted something on his Facebook page we'll put in the show notes. Man, it was incredible. And I think he did a great job of capturing almost everybody's voice that impacts a pastor. And so one of the things he said in one of his circles, so it's got the pastor, imagine a Venn diagram only with exploded. And so... Yes. He has statements in each of these. And so one of the statements he says is, don't ever open the building again. Home <laughs> is so much better. <laughs> Pajamas, get up 30 minutes before. I can have snacks. I can, you know, if the sermon's a little lull in the sermon, I can go to the next room and then come back. I can have a conversation out loud with my spouse about, you know, something either in the sermon or maybe unrelated. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, I, I thought about that when I was sitting in my recliner 
watching worship on my TV screen with my feet propped up. And I thought, what would it cost to replace our pews with recliners? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> would you use a chainsaw to saw them out of there? That's the question. I hey, listen, have. listen, you know, we've all mistakes have been made. We don't have to drag <laughs> up past mistakes. And another thing that people are saying is what's the big deal? Why don't you guys just go ahead and open right now? And mm-hmm. there are a number of folks in, in particular, we see this in, in our conversations with replanters across North America, the older folks in the congregation who've weathered the great depression, civil rights, Vietnam, et cetera, et cetera, are like, Hey, this is really, let's just go back to church. And yeah. so you get, you get pressure from those folks as well. What about those that go, you can't open the church building yet. It's a huge health risk, massive. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're thinking you're going to kill us all. Said everybody in my community. Oh, <laughs> said no one almost in my community. Yeah, man, that's a difference. So it's really, there's something about uh, uh, the lenses that we view our life through. Yeah. Right. I live in a community that values safety, that believes those who are in authority over us always make the best decisions. And because church is not a big deal for them, they, they're not going, right? Or they, they've never gone. And so when, you, when they put those filters on and they look at the church, it's like, well, it's no big deal. Like you guys just shouldn't go. Those are the same parents though, that want to give teachers like a 2000% raise because they've been having to do home learning. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. The big thing we have everybody yelling is, it's all a big hoax, a conspiracy. It's just a media frenzy. You got to read this article. You got to watch this documentary, this link. Don't be afraid. Don't wear a mask. This is all stupid. Oh, well, that's we have those folks. And unfortunately, I think we're going to see in the church even, and we're seeing it now, a lot of disagreements and arguments and our prayers that we wouldn't see divisions. Right. And I think as pastors, we're going to have to talk about that. One of our replant team members, Steve Dighton wrote a great sermon outline that we'll post in the show notes that talks about how do you preach to a congregation that's divided over certain things out of the book of James. And it's just a great, great blog article, but, but that's the reality. We've got the folks that are, you know, they've wrapped themselves in the American flag and then bald eagles perched on their shoulder and they're decrying the, the conspiracy theories. And then you have the folks who maybe went through uh, infertility treatments and adopted and are concerned about contracting COVID-19 because they're, they've you know, waited so long to have a child or they're at risk themselves because of immunosuppression. And so you've got both of those people sitting in your church or could be sitting in your church. Well, obviously, the folks with concerns aren't going to come back, but but that's part of your body. It's something we have to wrestle with and we have to determine how, how do we make the best decision. Now, let's enter the pastor's pressure in that if we don't get our people back soon, are they ever going to come back? Right? Yeah. Are, yeah. are they going to come back? And then my buddy across town, his church is meeting and we're not meeting. And so my people see that and then I feel the pressure of that. And then yep. if you're giving, if a percentage of your giving has been always in, from in-person giving and that's down and diminished, then man, you're that you're feeling the pressure too. Plus as a pastor, there's, I just think there's something about my weekly routine about sermon prep and then being with people and preaching and praying with people that I'm absolutely missing and cannot replace through electronic means. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, some of the general advice that has been given out from the beginning of this has been, if you're preaching 
and everything is on the internet and not in person. Maybe it needs to be a shorter sermon and maybe that's a good practice for us to have. And so I've tried to follow uh, with that for the majority of this time. And I've had some interesting pushback. Some of our people have said, hey, please preach longer than what you're preaching, which was encouraging and flattering, I guess. But part of it began to be, it was hard for me to preach longer because I was so out of my normal rhythm of being able to interact with the church members in in good face-to-face ways and being able to interact with the text with them, not on a Zoom call. I felt like my tank was starting to run dry a little bit. And so we've done some test run services, which allowed me to have some interaction here recently. And so I I got fired up this past week, man, and filled up an entire whiteboard just thinking through and and finally was a little bit re-energized in the pulpit. This is all just a really complicated time to, to live and to work in and to make decisions because of all those different perspectives. And no matter what decision you make, you are going to be seen as foolish and as an idiot by some group of people. I mean, that's generally true just in pastoral ministry. (laughs) (laughs) But, But here's where it's different to me this time in this, Bob, is in those things, I'm not afraid to lead in the face of opposition if I feel firm in my convictions, right? And and so certain things I have led through opposition knowing that through time and study of the Word of God and being mentored and discipled by others, this this is biblically what we need to do. And I'm going to push back against we should care more about discipleship than we do about entertainment, right? That's something I think we can all agree biblically, and, and I don't mind pushing back and leading in the opposition of that. I think as pastors, we find ourselves in the midst maybe of all these circles on Craig Tuck's thing, right? Like we, yeah. we have, we have within ourselves, there, there's a part of it that may feel part of us that may feel like this is all a little bit overblown, but at the same time, like we do need to be really careful. It does seem like this is a real pandemic, but there's a part of us that, that pushes back against all the restrictions and do I want to gather in such a way that we're six feet apart and wearing masks. And I read an article saying, check everybody's temperature on the way in and, and, and all the, and I'm just going, man, I I can't imagine. I I want to push back against all of those things. But at the same time, I think about the 90 year old widow that attends our church and is going to attend if the doors are open and are we putting her life at risk? And so I want to make sure I'm being wise there. And so one of the things that I would love to do in this episode, Bob, is think through how do we make wise decisions when the path isn't clear? Not, not just with things in relation to COVID-19, although this kind of becomes our test lab, right? But just in general, in general, in those moments of leadership, when you're not clear what the path forward is supposed to be, and you know that whatever decision you make is going to experience opposition, how do you go about making a decision as a leader in that process? Yeah, so we're, we're talking about, I guess, starting to think through that question and, sl- and slicing it a little bit. One of the first things that we have to, to ask ourselves, we have to understand is what are my legal requirements? What the authorities, what have the authorities said, right? And the CDC guidelines are pretty uh, broad, and your local municipality may have some additional guidelines that they have add, added into that, whether it's the state or whether it's your city or county. And so obviously 
we have to we have to be mindful of those things. I think we've seen the Chicago uh, mayor sent a police force to do a raid uh, on a church. So an African American mayor sent a police force to do a raid on an African American church, right? include that news article in the show notes. In Virginia, there were an ordinance that was on the books, and this probably is passed now, that there was going to be fines. And California is going through the same thing right now. They're trying to figure out, you know, what what are their guidelines. And so you see some lawsuits that are taking place now and some legal action from churches in courts, and they're being ruled for and against depending on where you are. But I think the first thing is you know, what do the authorities say? Um, secondly, I think given what the authorities said, there's probably still some flexibility in terms of how you're going to apply it. We could get into the whole mask or no mask. Is it required or recommended? So as a consumer, if I go to a particular home improvement store, it is required and there's a security guard and there's a big sign. You cannot enter until you have a mask. And I had to buy one the other day because I forgot to wear mine. You go to another home store down the way it's recommended. It's not required. I'll add in the show notes, a link to, so news is a hard thing to find in an unbiased way right now or always, right? Always. Uh, it's one of the most infuriating things to me. And so there are a few sources I use to get news on a regular basis that are very concise. So they're so short that it's hard for them to be biased. Right. And, and so there's one that I get in my email on a regular basis called the pour over. And it's a Christian news source and, and it's all real short. And so I really appreciate it because it also adds Bible verses and things like that. But this is something I pulled out of there and I used it in my sermon Sunday talking about this, how anger is dangerous. Well, in Michigan, a Dollar Tree worker was shot and killed after asking a customer to put a mask on. Whoa. In Oklahoma, a McDonald's worker was shot and injured after informing the customer that the lobby was closed. In Los Angeles, a Target worker had their arm broken after asking a customer to wear a mask. So this whole mask conversation is like more polarizing than Republican-Democrat. The intensity is so high right now. But the most surprising thing out of those three stories is that none of them were Florida man stories. I know, I know. I was waiting for that. I was waiting for that. Now, we know that there are Florida stories, but that's the climate which we find ourselves in, right? And so depending on the day, we're probably, we're not going to, you and I aren't going to take a gun out and shoot anybody. But with the frustration level, even in in our persons is is probably high at some point, right? And so everybody's just just very tender and very sensitive, which I think requires us. And I was talking about how do you make a decision in in these kinds of times? I think one is you just have to ask God for wisdom. Right. So it gets, brings us back to James chapter one. You know, if any of us lacks wisdom, we should ask God and God will give us wisdom. Right. He gives it generally. He, he says God gives it generously to us. And so we need a lot of wisdom in, in these moments as we navigate the decisions. The other thing, too, I think is we got to be we have to be discerning and cautious about who we listen to. Mm. And. There's no shortage of opinion by guys who have never replanted a church, are not presently pastoring a church, and haven't pastored for decades. Loads of suggestions mm-hmm. on how to regather the church and then what you should do. And I think you have to be discerning in that. And our good friend Keelan Cook said this in one of the podcasts we did recently. He said, Every, everybody's suggestions and everybody's plan, that's good, but you have to contextualize it 
to your church. Yeah. And it's a suggestion, right? Yep. So I think look at all the experts. And I, I think when I have read the experts that come across my social media feed, one of the things I've had to ask myself is, you know, do they know my people? Do they know my context? And can they speak in a wise way according to, you know, those two lenses? Most of the time, you know, there's a general good, there's generally good guidance, but there's not specific, there's, there's just not specific guidance that helps me in my situation. They don't know my people. They yeah. don't know yeah. our situation. So generally look at it, but I also don't want to let, and I would say this to the guys that are listening out there, don't feel pressure from those so-called experts that, you know, are telling you they, they're forecasting five, 10, 15 years down the road. They're already telling you how things are going to be. Um, listen to that maybe, but take it with a lot of salt and, and just wait and see how the Lord bears it out. I think staying in the book of James, there is wisdom and understanding. Hey, tomorrow has its own worries. Today has its own. Yes. So let's take it one day at a time. Yeah, we need to, there's wisdom and thinking out and planning out, but there is no case study that can help us predict human behavior coming out on the other side of this. Um, The closest we have is a hundred years ago in the big influenza pandemic. That is an entirely different scenario, entirely different kind of pandemic, entirely different kind of moment in history during a world war. Um, And so there's very little we can actually even pull from that to help us trend out and predict future human behavior coming out of this. And so I have been reading several articles that try to predict here's, here's what church is going to look like. And here's all these other things. And, um, and maybe, maybe there's some, some truth to that, but I think you got to figure out how do I lead my people today? Uh, in, in light of God's wisdom and the best understanding of what I have happening in this context and, and think through those things. And so choose your sources really well. Make sure they're reliable. Avoid the inflammatory stuff. I, I think this is one of the big mistakes we make in politics of any kind, of anything. I think we choose things that are inflammatory towards people who disagree with us. And anytime I read something that has that kind of air to it, I just immediately quit reading because I feel like there's no way we can walk in the spirit, Galatians 5, and exhibit the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, and speak that way. Uh, We can speak firm and we can stand firm in the truth and we can even say things that are hard to hear at times like Paul does when he writes and Peter does when he writes. But when we start being inflammatory towards people and use the logical fallacy of ad hominem and we start attacking the person and not the situation, there's no way in my mind that we're now walking in the spirit. We're now walking in the flesh and I don't want to take advice from somebody who is writing in the flesh and not in the spirit when it comes to how do I lead the church? Because the church is a spiritual entity. It is some, and we've got to make sure that we're being led by the Holy spirit as we lead. And so choose good sources. I I really think you mentioned UBA Houston. Those guys have done a phenomenal job of curating resources and, and kind of putting all that into one spot of here's some things to think through. Our association has put together a good page on our website in Jacksonville Baptist Association that has some really great resources on there locally and nationally. 
and so I think there are some ways you can do that. Uh, talk to other pastors that you respect. Choose your sources of information and wisdom very wisely. Don't read and listen to them all. Yeah. Yeah. I'm even reaching out to some guys this morning. Um, I texted three of my pastor friends in the area and two of them had gathered and one of them had still was on pause like us. And it was just helpful for me to hear from them. One of the things, Jimbo, I think it's really important uh, for us to think, and we might have, should have placed this at the front of the list, but taking care of yourself mm-hmm. and taking care of yourself, not as in pampering yourself, but um, getting the proper rest and renewal mm-hmm. and refocusing from time away from ministry and time away from heavy decisions and time in the word, time in prayer, time in just silence, I think is incredibly important now because there's so much that is coming at us in terms of demands and voices and complaints and fears and all of those sorts of things and suggestions that we're to overload in terms of information flow towards us. Mm-hmm. And, and we just need to get away at times and we just need to unplug and refresh ourselves. And so over the over the weekend, that's one of the things I did is I just unplugged from every everything. Just was like, I'm not going to answer email. I'm not going to read email. I'm not going to, you know, watch the news. I'm not going to think about anything related to replanting. I'm just going to unplug. And I really needed to do that in order to come back to the work a little more refreshed. Now, when I, when I sat down to work early this morning, just to think through the day and, and different events, I didn't feel 100% refreshed. Uh, because I think most of us, even when we do that, we're still operating at a deficit yeah. uh, for this season. But I, I felt better than I did at the end of last week, most definitely. And I think if, as leaders, if we're at a place of fatigue and frustration, we're not going to make sound, wise decisions and we're not going to lead people well. Absolutely. In our church, we have a phrase we use internally amongst all of our volunteers and leaders that I try to always remind our people of. Burnout is not an option. Uh, and, and so the way I've explained that to our leaders is uh, the statistics and the research on when people burn out in ministry are, are really uh, depressing. They oftentimes not only leave that local church that they got burned out at, but will often leave the church entirely and, and not return, at least not for a long time. And when they do, they're jaded and they're unwilling to serve and they're, they're missing a piece of what it means to be a part of the local body because they've gotten burned out. And so we've seen people burn out here and I've seen it just play out in ways that I was not okay with as a pastor. And so I just created that in our culture of, Hey, burnout's not an option to the degree. And I've told people to the degree that means if we don't have security patrolling around during the service, because we don't have anybody that's going to do it. And the one guy that's willing to do it has done it six weeks in a row. uh, Then we're just not going to have it because burnout is not an option. I'm not willing to burn that guy out so that your car doesn't get broken into. That's the, where my priorities lie as a pastor. And it's where they have to lie. Now this last week I was meeting with one of our leaders and he very kindly and gently reminded me, he said, man, you tell us all the time. Burnout is not an option. I need you to know that that's true for you too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so pastor, do what you need to do. Uh, figure out a way to get out of here and, and make sure you don't burn out. And I appreciated that reminder. And I took that reminder. And so for the last week, I have left my computer, my iPad and everything at the church. When I leave, I've not taken it home with me. 
And I have done a much better job of just checking out and than I had been doing because I was getting on that kind of verge of burnout. And so I think part of that is he was helping me see the reality of where I was. Mm -hmm. And I think as we go through this, we have to live in reality and reality can be one of the most elusive things in church ministry because we are so driven by opinions and preferences and we've got to make sure that we are understanding what reality is. And part of the way we can do that is we can survey our people on a regular basis through actual electronic surveys or through phone calls uh, or a mix of both is what I think is the best option and, and just kind of get a bead on where people are at, not just the sources that are out there, but understand where your people are and what they're thinking. And as we understand that reality, don't forget what the win is here. Mm-hmm. And, and just a hint, uh, the win here is not getting your preferences. Um, mm-hmm. And so the win isn't what you want and the win isn't your opinions. Uh, the win is leading the church as best you can, as wisely as you can in the current situation and context you find yourself in. And it's one of the reasons I'm convinced that the Bible isn't super clear on all the logistics of everything that has to happen in order for a church to be a church because context demands that we change things depending on where we are, the point of history in some aspects of what we do. And it's a really important thing that we keep that up. That's a great word, man. Um, That's a great word. So I I think um, what a gift to have a church member that says, man, you need to, you take some downtime and, and, uh, you need to care for yourself, your family, and, and uh, you need to step away from the demands of ministry. I've had a couple of folks uh, do that. And recently one of our, our elders uh, has said that. And then uh, one, of, uh, one of our attenders uh, texted me that. Uh, and it just meant so much. It's like, hey, you know, um, who's concerned about you, make sure you don't, you know, burn out. So I don't think we feel that. So um but I guess one of the things I would also say, and maybe one of the last things we talk about would be um, so much of the time we process things as pastors in our head by ourselves, right? We just, we think through all of the options. We try to walk around it. And I think this is, you know, many of us, because we're leaders, we see as many sides of a problem as we can, but we don't see every side because we're, we're uniquely gifted and created to be of a particular personality, a particular way we do life, those sorts of things. So we need to be able to have others who process the decisions with us and we need to listen to their voices. It doesn't mean that their voice will carry the decision, but it contributes to it. Right? So if you, if you're, you know, Proverbs says in abundance of counselors, there's wisdom and we need strong leaders who are helping us process things because I think, most of the decisions, at least in this, this last couple of weeks that I've processed, uh, I've been driven by urgency, expectancy, um, you know, this need just to get stuff done uh, right away and as quickly as possible. And um, that's hard. And another of our, you know, some of our elders, they're not driven by that. So, because we're both polar opposites, there's probably some good connection in the middle and, and the Lord probably wants us to bring the, uh, you know, ourselves to, towards that middle ground of feeling the urgency, but also being wise and patient at the same time. And so those two 
in the context of, a, of people processing a decision about regathering or taking care of a particular aspect of the church is going to lead us to a better decision. And so just a reminder of some of the things we've talked about, seek, seek the Lord in prayer, like really seek the Lord in prayer. Make sure you're clear about what reality is. Figure out what, where your people are at uh, mentally, spiritually, what's going on with them. Make sure you know what's going on. Choose just a few good sources for information. Make sure that they're reliable. Avoid the inflammatory stuff. Utilize a team around you. Don't be the only voice and the only mind making these decisions and making sure that you're all driven by prayer and walking in the spirit. Take care of yourself. Burnout is not an option. Uh, you, you, need, you need some process thinkers helping you work through the details on this uh, and make sure you remember what the win is. All right, guys, stay safe, stay sanitized. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.